everybody. Welcome to the Optive Theology Podcast. I'm Andy Schmidt here with John Sekutowski. Today we're doing Yo. something a little bit different. A little bit different. It's just me and John. You'll notice, you'll notice that Nick was not mentioned. And that we didn't do the regular intro. Oh. And so, which is basically what you were saying. But um, <laughs> today we're trying something a little bit different. One day I was thinking and i said to myself we need to do something a little bit different with optive it was, podcast. it was a unique day it was a unique day i was thinking this day usually i don't do that and so <laughs> when i started thinking i knew that something good might come out of it so i said to myself you we should do uh testimonies just random testimonies and right. upload them on the pod and i said that's a great idea andy I can't believe you thought of that. So what happened was I told John that we're going to do the first three podcasts is going to be John, Nick, and then mine. And then after that, it's just going to be like the first three testimony podcasts are going to be those. And then after that, I'm just going to reach out to random people. And so some people you've heard on the podcast already, some people you've never heard, probably my parents, probably, I don't know, who, who whoever, you know, probably Tom. <laughs> I'm going to try to get Tom. We'll see what happens. We'll see where this goes. Um, and so we're going to we're gonna start with John. And I think that this is a good thing because one thing that I've heard from like a decent amount of Christians is that they don't ever get to hear like encouraging stories or good things that God's doing. Like my mom used to tell me that at their old church like a long time ago, every Sunday uh, somebody or a couple people would come up and share what God is doing like like in their lives and everybody would yeah. be very encouraged by that. Or sometimes a pastor would even get up there on Sunday and be like, you know what? Like, we're not going to do the sermon. I'm going to just have people come up here and share what God's doing in their life. And, and my mom was like, that is really like, that was really encouraging. And so I think, I think people hearing testimonies and what God is doing in, in people's life can be super helpful and super encouraging. So I was like, let's just do it. Let's mm-hmm. just let's see what happens. And so today, yeah. The first ever testimony podcast is John John Sekutowski, as you know him as the millennial in our podcast, the generation of millennial, the worst generation. Though I recently, I recently heard about like a new classification of like a, there's like a, like a five year period in the kind of transition from millennial to Gen Z that is like sort of being classified as a different thing as like their own sort of little thing because they were in the midst of this technology revolution while they're in high school. And I fall in that range. So am I millennial or not? Then that means that, I mean, I would probably fall in that range too. So then we wouldn't be three different generations. No, you would, you would not fall in that range. You fall. Really? 99? Yeah. I was 97, 97, 97 or later is for sure gen z the question the question was so there's like the it, I, forget, I think it was like five years or eight years before that if you were born in that range it was like 92 to 97 or like 90 to 97 or something like that that it was okay, uh good. that's good that that is like a potential middle ground so we can as keep long, saying we can keep saying three <laughs> perspectives from three different generations as long as i'm not a millennial i am fine <laughs> that is <laughs> I could not. I couldn't live with myself as a millennial. Yeah, I think man. they were. I think they were calling them like Z millennials online or something like that. Which is, anyways, 
Zillennials. <laughs> I'm Zillennial. Okay, yeah. So John's going to just share his testimony. I'm going to interrupt once in a while if I have a question. If I don't, I'm not going to interrupt. But basically, mm-hmm. John's just going to talk about how he came to know who Jesus is and follow yeah. him. So, yeah. John, take it away, baby. Yeah, so I think, I mean, the the stereotypical way to start a testimony is to say, oh, you know, I grew up in this kind of family. So I grew up in a, in a family that wasn't... Um, that wasn't particularly Christian. I mean, it was sort of marginally Catholic. Like we went to, we would go to Catholic church. When I was in kindergarten, we maybe went to Catholic church pretty close to weekly. By the time it was in middle school, that was like once a month or a little less than that. By the time I was in high school, it was just like Christmas and Easter. And that was about it. So it wasn't, it wasn't really a big part of our lives or it didn't feel like a big part of our lives. Um, I did get, confirmed into the Catholic church when I was in fifth grade. Um, because like the only reason I did it was because I was saying that I didn't want to, to my parents. Um, but they were like, well, do it for grandma because grandma is Catholic and grandma would like it if you got confirmed. So I was like, okay, I'll do it for grandma. But I, at this point, at that point, I didn't want to do it because I was like, I don't think, I just don't think God is real. Like, I think, I think, Like when I would look around in my church, I saw a bunch of people who looked like they didn't want to be there or who didn't actually believe what was happening was real. Um, so that was sort of my experience. I mean, we never talked about it at home. Like, yeah, I just, it, it, it didn't like nothing seemed real and it seemed like everybody around me didn't treat it like it was real either. Um, so it wasn't like I hated God or like thought he was like a bad person or something. I just kind of was like, I don't think this is real. That is what it is. So I just didn't think about it very much yeah. at all. Um, in kind of through middle and high school. Well, and where did you grow up? School. I grew up in Waukesha, Wisconsin. So this, Waukesha. this podcast is based in Madison, Wisconsin. Waukesha, Wisconsin is about an hour to the East. Um, very like suburban type area. Um, so throughout throughout my grade school experience i was pretty fairly straight laced like got good grades did the stuff in school kind of in the last two years of high school i started to hang out with a group of a group of friends who who wasn't doing anything necessarily problematic but like started sort of the seeds of of kind of slipping towards um like kind of caring less about school, just being like, okay, we're smart, so we can just take the tests, but just not do any of our homework and stuff like that, which I do think kind of set me up poorly for college. Um, Something else that happened during this period was I also grew up in a family culture that was pretty, um, like pretty repressive of feelings. Like, so my mom, God bless her, just was dealing with a lot when she was growing up. Like she grew up in a household that was really, that had a lot of problems where her dad was, her dad was physically abusive um, to their whole family. And so she, and, and also like claimed to be sort of like a quote unquote good Catholic man. So she had, she had just like a lot of trauma from that. And um, when we were growing up, a lot of that unhealed stuff kind of got taken out on my sister and I. Um, So it, it created sort of an environment of um, like, it didn't feel safe to express my own feelings, because if I did, then those would be, like, met with, with, like, yelling or with, um, sort of just being attacked by my, by 
an emotional outburst from my from my mom. And then my dad was kind of emotionally distant um, and didn't really engage with us. So it did feel like that sort of set me up for um, when I was in middle school, I started to look at pornography and that became a habit too. That became pretty entrenched in my life um, starting in sixth grade. Um, so these are sort of the things that were going on in the background as I was coming to college, sort of sort of generally a smart kid, but not really trying that hard in school, having this kind of secret habit um, that I actually, when I was in sixth grade, after I first looked at pornography, I, I talked to my parents about it. I like woke up in the middle of the night feeling super guilty, went into their room, was like, guys, I did this. And um, it felt like what I received from them was just like, was just shame that like, I didn't receive um, like I didn't receive a, uh, like them saying that they loved me or that they were going to help me. We like discussed it that one time at like 3am. And then we just didn't talk about it after that. And I remember, I remember at that moment being like, okay, I'm never going to tell anybody about this ever again. So got to college. Um, and I like for better, for worse, I mean, yeah, just frankly, like went off the rails pretty quick. Like, I started going to parties, started um, hooking up with girls and um, yeah, just not good stuff. And then in schooling, like I had kind of established this habit in high school of, okay, I'm just never going to study for anything. Um, so I remember my first college exam, I got, I was in Calc 2 and uh, got one percentage point above failing. And I was like, oh my goodness, I have, I have like no grid with how to deal with this. <laughs> um so it was, it was in high school you would get like good grades without yeah in high without, school i got straight a's without without doing any studying and then college that didn't work <laughs> my parents would have bought me a car if i got a percentage point above failing in high school. <laughs> <laughs> dude i yeah i rolled into this to this calc 2 test being like i don't really know what's going on but this has worked for me previously and yeah so my first first college exam just one one percentage point above failing and just yeah kind of rocked my world but um so it felt like kind of in the midst of sort of a bunch of a bunch of like losses of identity like i felt i felt in college like i was like i didn't know who i was you know that i was kind of um that I was always like putting up a front for the people I was around, that I was trying to sort of like meld myself into whatever group I was in, but it felt like I had no core. Like I had no, I had no sense of who I really was. And so I remember um, one of the things that got me into, I started to uh, like halfway through my freshman year, started to dive into some harder drug use. And the reason that started was because a friend of mine was like, yeah, you know, when I took psychedelics, like it really helped me to, to like learn more about myself. And I was like, that's what I want. Like, I want, I want to learn more about myself. Like I want to figure out who I am because it, because I feel just this vacuous emptiness inside me. That's like, I have no idea like who I am, what I stand for, what I care about. Um, so I felt just this, just this like total emptiness that I was trying to then fill with, with partying, with drug use, with all these things. Um, so that started about, that was like in October or November of my freshman year that that started. And that was more or less continuing um, for, for about six months before I met a girl that I liked who um, she, she actually wasn't a Christian at the time, but she was going to Campus Crusade crew. Um, 
on UW Madison's campus. And she was like, hey, I'm going to this thing. I like met her at, we were like talking at a party where both of us were drunk. And she was like, hey, I'm going to this thing called Crew. Do you want to like, do you want to come with me? And I was like, uh, sure. You know, like, I'm not interested in what it's about, but if you'll be there, like, totally, I'll be there. Um, so I remember coming to Crew and um, there were some parts of it that were, that were really new for me. Like something that was really new was like the worship was exciting. People seemed to be really excited about Jesus, which I just never experienced like in my, in my time growing up, like even for, for all the faults of college students going to crew, like there was something that felt alive about that meeting in a way that I'd never experienced. And I started to learn too, as I was like getting more involved with crew, I learned about all these, these like things called high school youth groups. I was like, I didn't know high school youth groups existed. Why didn't anybody ever invite me to any of these? Anyways, so I was like, you went to the Catholic church and went to the Catholic church. Yeah. Right. Whenever I talk to anybody who went to the Catholic church, they never describe it as like an exciting, nobody's ever excited about like doing anything. It was not exciting. It was not exciting. Um, And I don't, right. I don't think excitement is the only metric on which to evaluate whether or not like a relationship with God is real, you know, but, but it, it also didn't feel particularly pious to me, like, or particularly devoted. Like, it felt dead. Like, it felt like everybody was there, just not engaging with anything, is what it yeah. felt like to me, um, whether or not that was true. So, um, went to crew for the first time, um, started, I mean, basically, I was just chasing this girl, um, and, like, we started dating briefly. It was very short, um, but during that time, I kind of was avoiding more of like kind of the drug use stuff and um was like with her i'd go to church or like go to crew and stuff like that but after that ended in the summer i kind of went back into drug use more than i had previously um so by the time my sophomore year in college came around like it was i was in a pretty dark place like i was like the thing i was most looking forward to was what new chemical was i going to put in my body by the time the weekend rolled around. Um, I mean, I remember like going to classes while, while like high on all sorts of different things. And um, it, yeah, it just was not, it was not good. It was not good. And uh, about a month in to my sophomore year, this girl, the same girl reached back out to me and was like, Hey, I'm going to crew again. Do you want to come with? And I was like, sure. Why not? Cause I was still, she had broken up with me. I was still into her. Like, I was like, sure. I'm totally, totally interested in going. If you're going, started going to crew again. And what started to happen is she had actually become a Christian in August before our sophomore year. And um, so she was starting to like, actually be really in, you know, like she was starting to want to be there for the right reasons to like engage with Jesus, to, to live a life for him, which was not my motivation, but be- really, I mean, really because of that, I got like more and more wrapped up in stuff that was going on in crew. Like I joined a Bible study. I started being discipled. Like I was doing service stuff all the time on like with state street homeless people. Like I got super involved with a lot of stuff and it was all because I was just like trying to be impressive to this girl. So stupid. Do not recommend. <laughs> do not That's recommend. That's the dating paradigm. That's what the That's dating, the dating paradigm. paradigm. Evangel date. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, flirt to convert, whatever you want to say. Um, 
So it was just like, I was living this increasingly split life, you know, like I was living this life that was increasingly like I was going harder and harder and harder into like the party lifestyle. And I was going harder and harder and harder into like doing Christian stuff while knowing that I was not a Christian, that I didn't believe any of the stuff that they were saying. Like I, I was very aware that that was the case. Um, so this all sort of came to a head February of my sophomore year. So about a semester and a half in of doing this where I just got totally overwhelmed. I was like, I can't, I can't do this. Like I need to choose. I need to choose either. I need to say no to Christianity. I need to say no to all the stuff or I need to say yes. And I need to give up the other life that I've been living. Um, Cause I remember this all came to a head when I was, I was a, um, uh, I was a youth leader at a retreat for high school students. So I was like this the, is the cool, funniest story. I was like dude. the I cool college student who was like who was supposed to be leading all these high school students in their devotion to Jesus while totally not believing any of the stuff. And one of the youth pastors came up to me and was like, "Hey, you've really changed a lot in the past year. Can you share your testimony in front of these high school students. And there was probably, you know, 700 high school students at this thing. That, this and is so I funny, freaked out. I freaked out. I was like, I can't do this. I can't do this. Like I, I, I just, I can't get up in front of 700 high school students and just make something up. Like that is, that is, that is the moment where it goes too far. And so I was like, after this youth pastor asked me, I was like freaking out. And she was like, Whoa, this is not what I expected. Um, and so after that, we you, like, did you just like tell her straight up? You were just like, I'm, I'm doing like drugs and stuff. And like, I, I didn't know. Even... I didn't tell her that, but I, I told her like, I was like, I can't do this. I don't know if I believe any of this stuff. Like I've been uh, lying about a lot of stuff. Like I, I kept it vague. Like I didn't get into, into yeah. any of the specifics, but I was, I freaked out. I freaked out. Yeah. And um, so after that weekend, I was like, okay, I need, I need to sort this out because I, I just can't keep doing this. I'm, I'm in too deep in both of these things. Um, so I initially decided, I was like, okay, I, I cannot believe in Jesus. Like I can't, because if I do that, I'm going to have to tell everybody about what I've been doing. I'm going to have to like, yeah, I mean, that was the biggest thing. I'm going to have to tell everybody about what I'm doing. I'm going to have to tell my parents. I'm going to have to tell my friends. I'm going to have to tell this girl. Like, if I do that, I will lose all my friends. Like, there is no way this will happen. There's no way this will work. Um, so I was like, so I initially was like, okay, I can't, I cannot become a Christian. And that lasted for like a week and a half where I just, during that week and a half, like I felt like a new kind of emptiness of just like, I had over the course of that year and a half where I was like doing Christian stuff, I had learned a lot about Jesus and I had learned a lot about the gospel and I had learned a lot about what it meant to follow Jesus and what it was like and who he was and what the character of God was and say, I just, I couldn't, like, I couldn't say no to that. And, um, so after about a week and a half, so on February 12th, I was like, okay, if I can know God, if I can actually know God and God actually knows me, then it's gonna, it's gonna all be okay. You know, like I, I might lose all my friends. I might lose this girl. My parents might be super pissed, but it's gonna be, it's gonna be okay. So I, I remember I, um, I texted 
this dude in the middle of the night. So like this is February, February 13th AM. So like 2 AM, February 13th. I texted this guy who I'd been a, I'd been a youth leader at his church. Um, this is Asbury United Methodist church, which is uh, where actually where High Point used to the same building that they used to be in. Um, I was like helping out in this youth pastors, like youth group as a high school or as a college student, like helping lead high school students. And I texted him at 2 AM and was like, Hey man, no big deal. But just like, if you got some time to talk, like I'd love to talk sometime soon. He texts me back immediately. It's like, I can talk now. And I was like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> so from like 2 AM to 3 AM, I just spilled my guts to this guy. I just told him everything that had been going on, everything that I've been lying about. And he like received me with such with such grace and with such kindness and this was this was like the first time that anybody knew like the story you know this is the first time that anybody knew some of like the darkness that had been going on in my life um and to see him receive it with with grace and with kindness and and with love and with desiring to restore me not to crush me um was amazing so we that was that was like the moment where I where I gave it over to Jesus, um, and where he where he saved me. So that was kind of that was the story of being saved. And yeah. after that, um, I mean the next the next seventy two hours sucked. After that, they were brutal. I mean, I I told this girl about that, and she was it was it was I mean she was really angry, but it was less that she was it was less about the fact that she was really angry and more just like she was crushed. Like, yeah. cause I had been just constantly lying to her for like 10 months and for her to receive that was just completely crushing. And then when I talked to my parents, like they were like crying on the phone when I was telling them about the kind of stuff I'd done. I, I remember my mom being like, have you done drugs in the house? And I was like, yes. She's like that. I cannot believe that you've done that. And like, I remember telling all my friends and it was just like, oh gosh, this is so brutal. But one of the things that was that was really cool right away was I remember telling my Bible study that I had been a part of and I'd just been constantly lying to about like while we were in the Bible study. And I remember telling these guys like, hey, I haven't been truthful about what's been going on. Like this is the stuff that's going on. But now I believe in Jesus and I want to I want to do the stuff. And like that group got so much closer like that same night a bunch of guys were like yeah here's something i've been struggling with that i haven't been sharing here's something i've been struggling with that i haven't been sharing and so it really like that group got so much got so much closer because of that and actually in that bible study were two guys andy who you've met andrew and josh graham those twin brothers yeah. and um right. really quickly after that uh the three of us became became really good friends and it it felt like those guys were like the first real friends I ever had where like they knew everything that was going on in my life. And we were connecting over like actually caring about one another, not just about like, okay, we, we do fun stuff together. Like we, we play video games together or we play sports together, you know? Right. Um, so that's, that's that part of the story. I mean, you want to hear kind of everything since then? Or, well, yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, get into everything since then. And I know that there's like the part because we talked about in the depression podcast, and I think that would be good to talk about as well. Yeah, 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 um, totally, totally. So, so um, after I became a Christian, things were really amazing. Um, after that first like week or so, like 
So one thing that I, that I mentioned earlier was like, I had developed this pornography habit um, that had been really consistently in my life. And for the first time too, I like told these guys, Josh and Andrew about that, that had been going on. And they told me about ways that they had been struggling with similar things. And we all kept each other accountable. And it was like, it went from something that was happening, happening every day to something that like all of a sudden, like I was free for like two months. And it was insane. I was like, this is, this is amazing. Like how, how is this happening? And then, and then it like fell. And then I was like free for a month. Then I fell. And then it like kind of settled into back more of a habit of like once a week, once every two weeks. Um, what and do you, I think, why do you think that happened? Why do I think that happened? I think, um, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think there were still a lot of wounds that I hadn't, right. that I hadn't dealt with. Like, I think the, the, when I was seeking for like drug use, I think the reason it was easy to drop that stuff was because what I was seeking there was like a sense of identity. Like what I was, I was seeking, yeah. like I was trying to find out who I was and what I found yeah. in Christ right away was like who I was, you know, like I was his. Right. And so that felt really oh, easy. Yeah. That felt really easy to like give up right away. But the thing that I yeah. hadn't yet, the thing that I hadn't yet dealt with was like this this sense of i yeah i think that the sense that i grew up with and the sense that sort of was was pervasive in me was this was this feeling of like i'm not i'm not good enough like i'm not capable enough i'm not i can't do this stuff so in some ways like i i've, I've recently i know nick gibson has mentioned this book a couple times luke Zika has mentioned this book a couple times if you give it free um I've recently been reading a book called Unwanted. On, by a guy named Unwanted, dude. Unwanted. Dude. He just gave me that book, Luke. Yeah, it's so. I good. left it in Evan's car. I've, <laughs> I've recently been reading it by Jay. It's uh, by Jay Stringer, and one of the things, one of the most powerful things, I think that he talks about in that book is he was like, he he was like, I think, and I, I just I've felt this dynamic, but I've never heard it like said in a book. Um, is he was like, I think what so many people are addicted to when they're like caught in a pornography habit is there what they're actually addicted to is that feeling of self-contempt like there's a way in which like it feels safer to be trapped in self-contempt and to be trapped in mm. shame than to than to a actually have it be like required of you that you live a better life like i think there this is similar to like jordan peterson talks about sometimes um like establishing a relationship with beauty like, I think there's a way in which um, if if what is expected of you is that you can be something beautiful, like there's a way that that calls you higher. There's a way that that's really hopeful. There's also a way that that cuts you down, because if you right. look at your life right now and you're like, I'm not living beautifully. And so what the easier thing to do is the easier thing to do is to then look for an excuse to be able yeah. to justify the feelings you already have. So looking at pornography, oftentimes, oftentimes for guys is not so much, although certainly sometimes like, or certainly, obviously, like lust is involved. But oftentimes, yeah. another thing that's really deeply involved is this feeling of I'm looking for a reason to dislike myself, or I'm looking for a reason to hate myself, because I'm, I already feel this about myself. And now mm -hmm. if I look at pornography, when I know I'm not supposed to, like it, it creates a self justification within myself. So I think that was the wound that I hadn't dealt with. That was the wound that I hadn't had. It liked. feels like sometimes like being locked up can be more comfortable because you know, your surroundings, right. 
and being free can be scary because right. you don't know what's going to happen in totally. freedom. Like there's totally. so much to explore in freedom. But like, I, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think there's like a lot of guys like myself, like I struggle with that. And like, well, I do struggle with that to this day. And it's right. like trying to get out of that habit of wanting to be like, the, it is, it's weird that you say that, like you want, like you want to be locked up. You want right. to feel that because it's right. like comfortable. It makes it right. feel good. Right. It's and weird. I think, I think at least for me, the dynamic that was certainly a play was I didn't want to feel like a lot was expected of me. And it was right. a way to like, sort of like, for lack of a better way of putting it, sort of like cap my ceiling, you know, because if, yeah. if the ceiling was, was unlimited, then I could say, well, look at how far I am from that versus like, if I'm consistently giving myself to this habit, it puts this ceiling on top of me that I can then like live within and be like, no, I'm fine. Yeah. Like, great. Right. But yeah, you're exactly like there's this, there's this weird feeling of safety that comes from right. being locked up. Um, I mean, which is a dynamic that they, that like is true about like prisoners who have like been in jail for a long time, like physical jail for yeah. a long time. They like, they would rather be in jail than like out free in the world a lot of times. Um, so they'll like people who have been in prison for 20 years will like commit a crime as soon as they get out of jail in order to be put back in jail because it's a more familiar, familiar situation. Um, yeah, interesting. So, um, yeah, so I think so that that started to happen. Um, and this was also as like as the high of being a Christian started to fade, like <clears throat> for probably the yeah. first the first maybe three months, like I felt like I was on a constant high of just like, this is amazing. I know God being a Christian is amazing. I love this. Like I I really quickly um, that summer, I went on a summer mission with crew to Miami, which which was a pretty good experience for me. Like I I had a lot of solid friendships that came from that. Um, both of these Graham, the Graham brothers went on that Josh and Andrew. So like we got a, a ton closer over the course of that summer. Um, but it did feel like I was heading, I headed into that project, like right at the end of like my three months of like euphoria about being a Christian. Um, yeah. so there were some parts of it that were, that were a lot harder and just some ways that I hadn't, hadn't yet been healed. Um, so was that, that a 10 week one? So like a long Yeah, that one? was uh I think it was it was yeah, 10 or 11 weeks something like that. Okay. Somewhere in the 10 to 12 range. I don't remember. Um but anyways, that summer we came back, junior year um was kind of doing doing the stuff. Junior year generally speaking was an was an okay year. Um I still was was still periodically struggling with with pornography stuff but um like it was okay-ish i mean it was like once every two weeks once a month and so, which i mean yeah which is not good like it's not good but also like right. it, and you know like it was able to feel better to, than what it was it was easy to justify to myself okay this is way better than every day you know um right and but i think it i felt like this this consistent sort of like wearing on my soul of like, okay, yeah. I'm, I'm like, it's like feeling like I was sort of still existing in this like shallow Christianity of, of like enjoying God, seeking out new experiences, not really, but not really knowing what to do with those experiences. Um, then that summer, the summer after junior year, um, I went on a mission trip to China for six weeks with crew. And that was, 
Like, I mean, I consistently reflect on that as like maybe the best six weeks of my spiritual life ever. Like, so at least mm-hmm. so far. And I was thinking about that because High Point right now is going through a sermon series called uh, the next the next right thing. Uh, or no, next good thing. Next right thing next is that thing, yeah. next right thing is that song from Frozen Two, apparently. Though I haven't seen it, but apparently it's. I had, I'm not watching Frozen Two. Bro. Neither am I. But apparently, uh, the first one was good. The first one was good. Apparently, apparently, when Nick announced that the series was called The Next Good Thing, the song The Next Right Thing came into a bunch of people's minds. So, anyways, um, <laughs> but so we're in the series called The Next Good Thing, and Nick was this just this past Sunday. Uh, Nick was talking about kind of the the attention of devotion of our hearts and that was the thing that was so true was like i was consistently over the course of that six weeks i was consistently attending to god directly like every morning i would wake up and i would pray not just like read my bible sort of without interacting with god himself like i would read my bible and i would pray and i would interact with god himself and then all day long i was talking to god like i would like I, I remember, um, like walking around and being like, okay, I'm, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep myself pure in the ways that I'm thinking, but I'm gonna like not just do that out of discipline. Like I'm gonna do that talking to God, and I'm going to like share the gospel with students, and I'm not just gonna do that out of like the discipline of, this is just what I'm doing right now. It's like I'm going to be attending to God during those conversations, and it was like a constant devotional, like attention to God Himself throughout the day, and it was amazing. It was amazing. Like that, that summer was, it was the longest time that I'd ever experienced freedom from sexual addiction. Like, cause it, it was kind of those six weeks. And then it was an additional six weeks after that. And, um, just all these, it was just all these amazing things. Like I felt so good. I enjoyed spending time with God. It was, it was really, really, really good. Um, but that following, uh, that following year, so this would be in this would be my senior year. What exactly happened that year? Let me think. I'm trying to think of who I lived at this point. Anyways, I think it was I think it was similar to junior year. Like it was like a sort of but but maybe darker, a little darker. Like I oh actually I am I'm remembering some of the things that happened that year. So that year, um I I was at this point dating that girl who I'd gone to crew with initially. Um, she went on a, um, a year long stint trip with crew. So she was doing, it's called the expedition. So it was like, she would go to one, one country a month and try to start a, um, like a new student movement on a campus every, like one per month for 12 months in these different countries in sort of like the Eastern block. And, um, I remember that year, just like, still like I still just hadn't been transformed you know what I mean like I still like there's still parts of me that just hadn't been healed and I remember um like kind of feeling like I was I was in many ways like a leader amongst our senior class so like I was a leader kind of in our crew movement on UW Madison's campus but I remember all the leadership I was doing felt like it was coming out of out of nowhere you know like it felt like I was just trying to muster something up or I was just trying to like like I was trying to be a good leader for the sake of like like feeling good about myself rather than trying to be a good leader for the sake of like leading people well you know what I mean like you gave me a good example of this one time well kind of I maybe this isn't 
the perfect example, but yeah. I remember I went to like a crew Thursday night meeting and I was like, after we, I think you were there. Maybe you weren't. I, I can't remember, but I, I told you what the talk was about. Yeah. I don't mm-hmm. think you were there. And I was like, yeah, dude, it just didn't feel like the talk just it like wasn't great. It just, and, and that's what you described it as. You were like, sometimes when people are in the leadership positions, it feels like they're just trying really hard to look like a good leader. Mm-hmm. Ra- you know what I mean? Rather than letting it like, or, or, or like trying really hard to give a good talk or trying really right. hard to make a good lesson plan. And like, they're using all of their, their like might and will to do it. And it, it does not seem natural. And it doesn't seem real. Right. Right. That's kind of, I mean, and that totally. seems like that's what you were going through. Totally. Yeah. That was absolutely the dynamic I was going through. Like I would lead these guys in Bible study and it was just, it was just out of like force of will that, that our Bible study was happening. Not because of like what I've experienced at different times was it was just, it was flowing out of my relationship with God. And I know that sounds like a lot of people have heard that. And that sounds kind of stupid or like, sounds kind of like, like unobtainable in some ways, but it, it just like, there's a different, your ministry has a different sort of tenor depending on how your personal relationship with God is. Like when you're personally attending to God, when you are personally spending time with him, when you are personally digging into the scripture, when you are personally enjoying God, like that creates something else. Like I, I remember different times doing ministry and being like, okay, in, in a Bible study, like it's, it's just coming out of me as opposed to something that I'm having to like drag out of me or like come up with on my own. Um, and it's like a, yeah, go ahead. A byproduct of a, I think like the way I try to think about it is that a byproduct of, of, a, of having a good relationship with God can sometimes be a, a great ministry, Totally, not a great ministry, not a byproduct of a great ministry is a, is a great relationship right. with God. Absolutely. And it feels Absolutely. like sometimes people think if my ministry is great, then God's going to love me more right. when it's probably the opposite. You probably, right. you might just not have a relationship with God. Right. Right. Totally. Totally. So that was absolutely what I was feeling. So it felt like I, that year, it just felt like I was constantly failing. It felt like I was constantly failing. Like I still wasn't doing well in school. Like I was doing fine, but I like, dude, I mean, I, I had so many tests that were like open note that I would literally <laughs> learn the material while I was taking the exam. It was like so bad. I just, yeah. Cause I like, you know, made this excuse of, oh, you know, I care about ministry stuff and I want to do ministry after college. Yeah. So like, so I'm not going to care about school. Um, right. And now that's biting you in the butt, right? It well, is like kind of, is, yeah, it is certainly biting me in the butt. Really wish yeah. that I had done better in college or like just cared more. Yeah, um, but anyways, what'd you say? Do good in school. I said, there you go. Kids do good in school. Do good. in yeah. Just <laughs> focus on school kids. Um, <laughs> but it's just, I like, yeah, I, I felt like I was constantly failing in school. I had like bad eating habits at the time too. So I was like gaining weight and like, like, uh, this girl was gone overseas and like, I just, our relationship was just going worse and worse. Like, and my ministry felt super hard. And so all of these things that like, I think, um, it's, it's very easy for me to make like an idol out of success and to really like, if I'm doing, if, if I'm doing things well, then I feel good. And if I'm not doing things well, I feel bad. And obviously that's, I think that's common for a lot of people, but um, everything that I was trying to do felt like it was going bad. And so it was just tough. 
was just a yeah. tough time. And then that's that upcoming summer. Um, I was, I decided to work with crew in the upcoming year. Um, and, oh, actually one thing I should rewind on, uh, just really quick was in the second semester of my senior year, I did start to like looking at pornography and stuff started to just take a turn for the worse. Like it was happening more consistently. It was yeah, it was just taking a turn for the worse. And at, at that point, I started to like see a counselor too. And so that that felt initially like a failure. You know, it felt like, okay, now I'm this is such a problem for me that I like need to see a counselor and like, right, can't, need to see a counselor can't do ministry, like all these, all these things that I just felt just awful about. Um, that then I, I decided that I was going to try and work with crew the upcoming year. Um, and I remember reading this book. Or, so I started, we started, I started to raise support to work for crew. And as we were raising support, we were reading this book called The God Ask. And um, I remember one of the chapters in the book um, was talking about this, this dude named Matt, who the author had interacted with, who was raising support, who was like, in many ways on the outside, was like a very, like, great. You know, he was like, good looking, smart, personable had a, was like relatively successful in ministry, but his support raising was just going so poorly. And this author was like, yeah, when I, when I sat down with him, I asked him, do you think you deserve support from people or not? And this guy was like, no, I don't. Like, I don't feel like I deserve it, which is why it's so hard for me to raise support. And I was like, oh yeah, I totally, I totally get that feeling of like, I just, I just suck. And so it's so hard for me to raise support. So I, like I was raising support in order to be a full-time intern with crew, didn't raise enough. So I was part-time field staff instead. Um, and I still, the first semester I was doing part-time field staff with crew. I um, was finishing up the final semester of engineering, which turns out engineering capstone courses are pretty hard. And I was living in a, I was living in a household where like our landlord, our landlord owned the house that me and a couple guys were living in and he lived there as well. And he was like really kind of like hostily picky. You know, like I remember, I already set the tone early on when we, um, we, we were living there for maybe two weeks and one of my roommates had made some sandwiches in the morning and on the counter, he had left some crumbs from making those sandwiches. And it's like, it's like one of those sandstone countertops, you know, where it's like, it's already, it looks, it's like all pebbled and stuff. So you can't really see yeah. when there's dirt on it, but he had right. left, our landlord had left a sticky note next to the crumbs with an arrow pointing at the crumbs. And what he wrote was on a sticky note was crumbs, period, pick it up, period. <laughs> and so I was just what? like, I was like, whoa, this is, this is intense. Did that make you mad, man? That would have pissed me off. It did make me mad. Yeah, it did me. Uh, well, it more, I guess it, I mean, it made me mad, but it more was just like, whoa, I did not expect that this is what we would be in for. <laughs> um, so anyways, pick it up. <laughs> so it's just, and it was again, like another semester of feeling like I was constantly failing. Like all my, fr and this was like, what was included in this too, was like my friends were all leaving college to go to different places. It's so like all of my close friends were gone. My ministry with crew felt like it wasn't going well. Like my schooling didn't feel like it was going well because I wasn't giving it enough time. Like all of these things just felt like they weren't going well. And and so it was like, 
kind of like chipping away at my at my relationship with God because I I just like wasn't giving myself to Him. Um. Mm-hmm. Anyways, this continued through through that fall semester, which was uh, so this was fall of 2015. Continued into the spring semester. So at this point, Dude, I, that's so weird. It's it, like that long ago. I know. I know. Like I mean, not that that long, but like I was starting high school when this was happening. Dude, it's weird. Yeah, it's weird. That's weird. <laughs> Different generations, maybe. That's that's proof right there. Right. Take that. <laughs> if, you need it. if you needed it, uh, if you needed proof. So so, anyways, first semester, all those feelings. Second semester, a lot of those same feelings. Um, second semester, I wasn't doing school, but I was doing more. I, I was like working. Um, instead of doing school, I was working at Greenbush. So, you know, that felt great as well. Greenbush like, Bakery. Greenbush Bakery. I was like, okay, sweet. Using my, putting my mechanical engineering degree to use, flipping donuts and handing them out to people. Um, and I remember that, that following summer. Well, so a couple things happened here. First, something that happened was on spring break of early 2016, um, we were going to a, uh, there was a there's a crew thing called Big Break. So it's like during during spring break for college students, they all go to a different beach somewhere for a week, and we share the gospel with students and with people who are coming to the beaches just to party during spring break. We share the gospel with them, try to invite them to know Jesus, stuff like that. While that happened, I had read this um, this series of papers written between a guy named um oh i'm totally blanking on his name right now well it was john Luke piper was talking to me about it yeah it was john piper versus oh gosh he he's a he's a professor at trinity hold on let me look him up really quick let me look him up really 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 quick um look him up even though you don't know his name <laughs> dude but i know a book that he wrote he wrote a book called forsaken which i thought was so it was so good Oh gosh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Here we go. Here we go. Here. This is the book, Forsaken. The book is called Forsaken the Trinity, the Cross, and Why It Matters. And it's written by, if this will load, written by Thomas McCall. So it's this series okay. of papers written between Thomas McCall and John Piper. And basically Thomas McCall was um was trying to argue with Piper about why sort of quote unquote, like neo-Calvinism, like this new surge of Calvinism that John Piper has sort of been spearheading is a problem. And he kind of goes through the, um, the argument for why, for why sort of like hard determinist Calvinism. So like God is responsible directly for all actions is not good or is not tenable. And I was very persuaded by Thomas McCall. Problem is, for the last three years of being a Christian, like John Piper was my boy. Like I was, he was my dude. And I was very Calvinist, like very much like a God directly does all things Calvinist. Like the good things, the bad things, God does it all directly in my life um, and in the lives of others. And what this did was it like, it just sent me spinning, man. Like I, I had been interacting with God so much through the Calvinist lens. Like it was the only way I knew how to deal with tragedy was like, okay, something bad happens to me. And I'd be like, okay, it's totally fine because God is the one who decided to do it to me. So he must have some good purpose that he's doing. So no problem. Tragedy, no problem. And, um, and it was also the way that I like read the Bible was like, when I would read the Bible, I was oftentimes like 
filling out my sort of Calvinist theology. And that was the thing that I was more concerned about, at least at this point, instead of attending to God directly. And so it just, it like felt like it took those things away. So it felt like I had just no relationship with God. Like I had no more, I, I didn't know how to interact with him. I didn't know how to deal with tragedy. Like I just, me and this, me and this girl had like just gone through a hard breakup. And I like, I didn't know how to deal with it. Like I was, because I didn't have this, this netting anymore to like catch me. So I was like, okay, yeah, I have no idea what to do. And I started to, I started to spin in like a really bad way. And over the course of the summer, I was trying to raise support for another round of, um, or another round of crew. And I would have these times where I was like, I would like give myself to looking at pornography like an hour before I'd be meeting with somebody to like tell them about why they should support me for crew. And I just hated myself for it. Just hated myself. Um, just, right. Just thought I was completely despicable. And so it was support raising was going so poorly and it got to the point where I like, I was in such a dark place that I like walked into a drugstore, picked up some, like purchased some stuff that I knew I could use recreationally as like a stimulant and took it. And when that happened, I was like, okay, I need to call crew and I need to let them know that I'm, I'm not going to be working with them this upcoming year. And so that was the darkest time. I mean, that was the darkest time probably of my life was that week afterwards where I was like, I have, I have officially failed at everything. Like I've like flunked out of ministry I have a terrible GPA. All my friends are gone. I'm like alone. I don't know how to interact with God. I lost this girl who I really liked. Everything sucks. There is no hope. And I remember, I mean, the thing that really the thing that started to spin me out of this, although, I mean, it was a long process, but the thing that started it was I was, and then this week after this happened, I was like at a guy's house, house sitting. So I was like alone in this big house for a week doing nothing but thinking about how much I sucked and like how much I hated myself. Um, and I remember texting a friend of mine who lived in Oshkosh at the time, not texting anybody who I knew in Madison because I didn't actually want anybody to do anything about this. But I texted this friend of mine. And I was like, hey, man, I'm not doing that hot. Please pray for me. And he straight up like after receiving that text left Oshkosh, came to Madison, hung out with me for a couple hours, just because, you know, just because he loved me and because he cared about me. And that like, that feeling of like being seen and that feeling of like being remembered by somebody was like what kind of what started the process out. That fall. Good. Yeah, go ahead. Um, Kind of like, I don't know, to clarify, like, how dark it was. Was this at the point that you were, like, you said at one point you were kind of, like, looking up, like, like guns to, like... It was, like... Like, you were like kind of suicidal and... While I was at this guy's house, I was looking up how to buy guns and, like, yeah. experiencing a lot of suicidal ideation. And, yeah, like, like while I was driving, yeah. like, having images of me driving off the road and things like that. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was not... It's not good. Right. Um, and so this was, this was all happening in the like late summer of 2016. Um, fall of 2016, I started to live with our good buddy, Vince Pieri, 
And um, <laughs> so we lived in the. I'm I'm laughing because Vince is insane. Vince is... And I could just like imagine you got like you just like going through hard stuff and then moving in with Vince and yeah. being like, "What did I do <laughs> yeah. myself into?" <laughs> yeah, and and pray. I mean, this is totally a God thing. Like, I'm so I'm so grateful. I was I was just at a random crew meeting, and I was literally less than a week away from signing a lease with some other guys. And Vince came up to me with Brandon Brooks, if anybody knows him, um, they came up to me and were like, Hey man, do you want to live with us? Like we're looking for a third guy and we think we want it to be you. And I was like, yes, I do. Because <laughs> like with the previous guys I've been living with, like God bless them. Like they were both Christians, but they were also going through really hard stuff. And just like, it just didn't feel like a Christian household, you know? And it felt like there was there was some hope that if I lived with these guys, that like we might actually like be Christians together. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So I started living with Vince and started living with Brandon and was like, um, yeah, ju- just like felt like I had real friends again, you know, and like was able to to like really confess to them kind of the depths of the things I was feeling and the things I was doing. Right. Um, but it was still, I mean, throughout the fall of that year was, was pretty dark. Like I, I, I remember there like consistently I was, I was just working at Greenbush this, at this point. Um, and I was, um, oftentimes my shifts would be from like six or 7 PM until 3 AM was like my normal shift time. So I remember oftentimes yeah. like I would get home and I would just sit until like sunrise, just literally just sitting in a chair thinking about how much I hated myself like for like four or five hours um or like watching really dark movies and then like feeling all the dark feelings and like just yeah, yeah. you were like soaking it in I was soaking just it in. like I just wanted the in. darkness yeah I wanted the darkness right. um but really I mean it was through kind of like the consistent intrusive effort of Vince Pieri <laughs> God using him in my life to, yeah, to continue to remind me that I was loved by Vince and by God and that they wanted to see me flourish and wanted to see me redeemed and wanted to see me reformed. Um, that was the like, interesting thing about Vince is that when he says that, like, he loves you, like, you just know that it's not just Vince, that it is God, too. Right. And that's, right. like, weird. Right. I, I, like, that's, like, with other people, you, like, 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 you don't get that. And then when Vince says it, you're just, like, oh, like, Jesus loves me right. and Vince loves right. me. Like, totally. they're working together on this. Totally. Thing. And you're, like, <laughs> totally. that's, it's, like, well, I don't know how he this does it, nice. but he does it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I remember, um, so I remember I started the new year, so 2017. Um, I like every night what I would do is I would, we had like a little like gas fireplace in our, (laughs) in our house. So I would like turn on the fireplace, sit next to a sit, like with my back on a beanbag, put on some, I would, the music I'd put on was like Bethel's without words album. And then I was reading this book called the healing path by a guy named Dan Allender and, and just interacting with God while doing it. And in many ways that like, that plus Vince plus plus the Lord like brought me out of the darkness. Um, 
So, yeah. Uh, how long did it take? Um, I mean, like when of like the effort of getting out. Yeah, like how long did that take? So some people go through those dark times right. and they're just like, "This is never going to end." I mean, I was I was super dark for probably six months. I was pretty dark, including those six months for probably about ten months. Um, okay. So that was about what that what that stretch of time was for me. Um, but right, I mean, in the six months, man, it I I felt like it was never never going to change i thought it was never going to change um but i yeah i mean i get this for some people six months isn't that long um so let's see um yeah after that started um the the green bush stuff kind of became a blessing in disguise because i was able to like wake up and then and then spend time with god for like for like four hours before I needed to go to before I need to go to work four or five hours before I need to go to work um, and just started and was just reading stuff and praying and working through some of the stuff that was going on in my heart and um, spending time at Greenbush honestly was was a really good time too like I was with those guys I was um, we were like we would talk about Jesus all the time and even though none of them were Christians like I would try to share my faith with them. And, um, there was something too about, about being forced to have the humility of like simple work, you know, where I had to like, like my work was like cleaning, cleaning, frosting off of trays and like handing, handing donuts out to people and like having lots of drunk people, <laughs> lots of drunk people, but having to, having to like do that with humility and cheer, um, as opposed to just feeling bad about myself was like was really really important um and then in uh so yeah i mean i mean really the sexual addiction stuff like more or less broke about that time like in sort of january of 2017 where like there there certainly have been have been a few slips since then um but it's like as far as like the the sheer heavy weight of the badness of it like that that all kind of broke around then um and it it came from like from really believing that i was loved that there is hope that like um that like continuing to work through the feelings of like self-contempt and like sort of the safety there but instead being like drawn up into hope and like excited by beauty rather than rather than cut to ribbons because of it you know um so then in may of 2017 started working at high point um for two years i worked there as the communications coordinator um for the last year and almost a half uh, or a year and since since june of last year i've been working at the, as the director of kids ministry and um yeah i mean that's that's pretty much and you're married story. now now married married yeah. to christina praise the lord she's amazing um come not the same girl not the same not girl the same girl that's not the same, not the same praise that <laughs> it is good it is good but it is not the same girl uh yeah and yeah we'll 
me and Christina will have known each other for one whole year this upcoming October. So that's exciting. <laughs> so, uh, that is weird. dude. It is weird. It is very weird. Um, but it's good, man. It's good. And yeah, that's it. Yeah. There you go. There you Ladies go. And gentlemen, optive listener, opti babies. <laughs> <laughs> any, that was good any though questions I, any thought i mean it doesn't there doesn't need to be but well i mean i mean i've like heard your story right. probably like 10 times but like well and like just different parts of it so right. i just think like i i think it's really helpful i think this could be really helpful for young people to listen to so a lot of them that i know are struggling with depression or suicidal thoughts or just stuff like that and and then they're they're like struggling with like the mindset of like but i'm a christian and i'm struggling with these thought these thoughts like what do i do and i think that the the a cool thing that happened to you was when when you're in that house by yourself and you kind of just texted your friend Mm -hmm. and 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 when you explained it to me you kind of like tried to make the text seem as vague as possible like oh yeah i was trying to like like like, hey man not doing that well so please pray for me (laughs) right and and that was looking up guns on the internet like yeah yeah exactly you were like you were bad and so i think like a a cool thing for christians like like people people listening to this like like the fact that he like got up and drove two and a half hours to madison to hang out with you um i don't know like it doesn't feel like a lot of people would do that right it doesn't feel like that would be something that, that somebody would do, especially with such a vague text. Like he had to have like, I mean, when I think about being like led by the Holy spirit, like that's the type of stuff that I think of yeah. where like it would look weird to do that, but he just did it. And that is ultimate, like at the end of the day, like that is one of the biggest turning points in your entire life. Right. And that was, that's all it took. Right. And so I think like, I mean, like, and, and, to, yeah, I want to be clear too. Like we didn't, we didn't do anything particularly spiritual either. Like we like right. hung out, played board games. Like he, yeah, I mean, he asked me how I was doing. I told him a little bit of how I was doing. He prayed for me and that was it, man. Like it wasn't, it wasn't anything crazy, but it like, it right. turned the tide, you know? Yeah. Just the fact that somebody was there yeah. rather than, than somebody and I, and, and somebody being there and not trying to solve all your problems, probably right. who just wanted to hang out with, with john not try to fix john and so i i just thought that i think that's really cool and i think as believers like we should be doing that stuff more often just and that's what i think of vince yeah vince is so freaking pushy he will just (laughs) if he has any inclination in his mind that something's going wrong or or whatever like he will push you on like he will come and he will figure it out and like that's, I mean, I think that's what Jesus is like. And I think that's what God is like, where it's like, they're not going to wait on, on you to, to try to be comfortable or, you know what I mean? To be comfortable or something like that. They're going to, they're going to make a move first. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's like, I mean, I always like hearing that, that story that, that guy who, who drove from Drew McClain, the guy, my, my best man. Yeah. Your best man at your wedding. Yeah. That's like, crazy to me he just he just was like yep i'm coming yeah we're gonna play games so i think that's really cool i don't have any questions like off the top of my head i mean yeah i think covered all of it i think maybe something yeah just 
really the th- the things that have been the things that have been the most fruitful in my life in my relationship with God really is like the simple devotional actions like simple bible reading and praying on a consistent basis where i'm attending to god directly like i think like this yeah. this felt like this was reclarified this past sunday in this in the sermon that nick gave but like it's so easy to do Christian stuff without attending to God. It is so easy to read yeah. your Bible without attending to God, where you're just sort of reading it. Right. And like, I mean, this sounds so cliche. It sounds so frustratingly cliche, but like, it is so easy to read your Bible just to check it off. Like, it's so easy to just read your Bible yeah. for the sake of like, okay, I've done a little Bible reading, as opposed to like turning your internal conscious attention towards interacting with God himself and doing yeah. that, doing that simple action right. on a consistent basis is like when life is going well for me, that's what's happening. When life isn't going well for me, that's what's not happening. Like, so I, I, I just can't the, encourage that enough. I just can't encourage that enough. And the bottom, right. And I think the other thing is that it's not easy right. to do that. Right. Like it totally. takes, it takes totally. effort. And I think that's where the problem is with a lot of American Christians who are just lazy in general with their faith. Anytime you ask them to do anything that takes an ounce of effort, they're like, no, I like, I can't do that. So it takes effort to have a relationship with anybody. And if you want to have a relationship with God, it's going to take a little bit of effort. I think one more thought that I had was that, um, and that's, this is like half the reason why I wanted to do these testimonies is I remember and it'll be part of my testimony a little bit more, but I remember when I texted you and I was like, let's go and tell me your, your, do you remember that? Mm-hmm. We went to Panera right yeah, before dude. I went on my missions trip. Yeah, it was and, awesome. and I was like, can you just tell me your testimony? Cause I, I knew you a little bit, but I didn't know you a ton yeah. and you, you, you told me everything. <laughs> um, and I and was like, like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like he didn't say everything in this one, which is, which is good. And like, I don't think everybody's going to say everything, but he told me every, I mean, we were there for like four hours, right? We were there for a long time, time. two two or three hours. Yeah. yeah. I say four, whatever. Um, so yeah, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) you told me everything. And I remember sitting there like feeling to myself, like, dude, you like, you haven't shared everything. Mm. And John's opening up to you in the middle of Panera. (laughs) Like you haven't opened up about everything. And so it pushed me. So I think that day, maybe, maybe I think that day I kind of just told you all this crap that was, I, that I had been doing mm-hmm. and I, and I was, and it was like, like, I just saw the vulnerability in John telling me all these things. And I was like, Oh shoot, dude, if I want to be anywhere near, if I want to be anywhere near John in his faith and like how strong his faith is, then I need to do what John's doing. And I think it's the same way. Like if you haven't opened up to people about your sin or what yeah. you've done in your life or what's going on, that's going to, that's going to continue to kill you. Yeah. And the, like, you know, if people are willing to come on a podcast to talk, talk to people about their crap, then the it's, it's, it's actually not that hard to go talk to one person about right. it. And, and usually they're not going to be like, Oh, you sicko yeah. evil piece of crap. Like if they do that, just like tell them to screw off. Like if, if that's a, <laughs> like that, honestly, like when I said, when I told you my crap, I, and when I tell Vince and when I told Luke and everybody, the first response wasn't, man, you, you're suck. It was like, I love you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, 
So God loves me even though I am a sinner. Yeah. Hmm. That sounds like the gospel. <laughs> and so that and and so I think it's like it's cool. Like I think that's that was really cool that you I think it's really cool to this day that you just open up about stuff and you don't give a and you don't care. Like there's this kind of just like whatever. It's who I was and thank God it's I'm still not like that. Mm-hmm. And that's the point of a testimony, I think. Yeah. And so I think it's encouraging. Yeah. Thanks for coming to my TED talk. (laughs) Yeah, agreed. um, Totally agreed with all that. Yeah. Anything else you wanted to say to the people? I don't think so. I think that's it. That's it. All right. The next one, I don't know. Maybe it'll be me. Maybe it'll be Nick. Who knows? Um, John is going to be doing the hosting for the one with me. That'll be be the one pod where Andy is not the host. That's fair. So look forward to that. That's right. Look forward to that. Yeah, look forward to that. Make sure to uh, smash that like button. Even though none of this, <laughs> I know, none, even though none, none of, of the platforms, none of the podcast platforms have a like button, but smash it anyway. <laughs> but smash that like button. Hit subscribe. Smash a like button. Um, Optive. Find Optive Network. Find a like button and smash it. Find a like. I want you to go to YouTube first video. Click on smash that like button. Um, <laughs> but do it in the name of Optive. Optive do it in the name of Optif. Comment. We did this in the name of Optif. Um, OptifNetwork.com. Boom. Big. Big if true. Good stuff. Big if big true. true. And it is true. Therefore, it is big. It is big. You got to check it out. Um, other than Andy's, that, been working, think... Andy's been working hard on this bad boy. Hold on. I'm going to pull it up right now just so you can hear my genuine reaction to uh, to just seeing the website. Okay. Optif. Oh, gosh. I, I looked up Optin Network. Okay. Hold on. Let me try again. You don't. Dude, just to be clear, we are not opt in. <laughs> <laughs> just to... <laughs> hold on, hold on. Ready? Okay, here we go. Here we go. A genuine reaction. Initial genuine reaction. reaction is about to happen. As mm. soon as it pulls up, my mm. computer's going kind of slow. Okay, mm. it's still pulling up. <gasps> there it is. <laughs> <laughs> wow go, what folks. a reaction john reacts that youtube video john reacts to optivenetwork.com speechless 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 and check it out there's good stuff on there there's going to be more good stuff i know john wrote a paper about the problem of evil boom check maybe it out one day that'll be on there we'll see maybe one day soon maybe tomorrow <laughs> who knows um anyways we have to stop this podcast because i'll keep talking so thank you for listening we'll see you guys in the next one this one will be uploaded probably the same day that the 21st episode will be uploaded on the myers briggs listen to them listen to myers briggs one see you guys all right see you guys